Satan, and welcome to another episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Cardinal Patrick, and I'm here today with my good friend, Father Chris. Hello, my children. And Archbishop Stephen. Hola. The Antichrist uh, sent his regrets today, uh, but may join us later in the show. Uh, and you may wonder why we're making all these religious jokes, these super funny, hilarious religious jokes. And it's because today we watched the Vatican tapes. We're just, we're just thumbing our nose at the devil. Don't worry about it. We're just thumbing <laughs> our nose at the devil, like father Amor. Just thumbing our nose. You know, when I was in the bathroom before washing up, before I came in here, I looked in the mirror, said bloody Mary three times, NBD, you know, you wash up for the podcast. Interesting. I took a shower right before we recorded, too. Oh, that's nice. Were you, like, playing with the Ouija board a little bit before you got in the shower? I don't have a Ouija board, sadly. Ugh. I did not cleanse my body, but I did cleanse my soul. I uh, had the Eucharist before I sat down. Mm. I did not say a mass for the Eucharist, though, because I, I'm a little... I'm, I'm not a normal priest. I'm a little unorthodox. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, uh, did you put any sauce, any seasonings on that Eucharist? No. Just, just plain. Just, just the blood of a single lamb. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I like it. Well, boys, before we get into the Vatican tapes, uh, we'll do our little horror catch-up that we always start each episode with, or, or generally start each episode with. Have you all been doing any horror shit, watching any horror things, reading any horror things, or just living out the horror of life in general lately? Oh, well, I mean, I've got a couple of things, but I think we need to talk about Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla or whatever the fuck it was called oh, did, because I've did you almost catch up? I've almost forgotten <laughs> that entire movie but we did talk about it last ep I caught up and it was uh, almost exactly as you guys described <laughs> that's the, a great compliment the monster <laughs> stuff was really fucking fun and i thought pretty well done for the most part i was very impressed by the effects i had some moments where i was kind of cheering alone in my apartment because it is still a pandemic uh but we we seem to disagree a little bit <laughs> about about who won the titular battle uh, i i said kong Okay, yeah, and I was being a little cheeky. I was being a little cheeky, but not entirely. Let's break this down. Okay, so, uh, you know, if you haven't seen Godzilla vs. Kong, big spoilers for Godzilla vs. Kong for the next, you know, whatever, two minutes. You know how this is done. So, Steven, make the case for Kong winning the fight. Kong didn't win the fight. Kong won the movie. Okay, that's oh. the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can we can we agree on that? Okay. Kong won yeah. our hearts. He didn't win my heart because I know propaganda when I see it. I was like, this is a movie that's trying to get me to root for King Kong. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm, I'm glad you explained that, Stephen, because I, I was a little mind blown when you first said Kong won. Because, I mean, Kong gets literally beaten to death by Godzilla in that movie, which I honestly <laughs> thought was a little beyond the pale. Yeah, Godzilla kicked ass in this movie he my, my six-way parlay on godzilla hit <laughs> i uh i won that bet no it didn't because he lost one of the fights 
Oh yeah, but I didn't. I didn't have that one in my parlay. Oh, but he he didn't even lose that one. Convenient. That's the thing because it's like they they threw that in there to make the King Kong fans feel a little bit better. There's a part like sure. in the big battle where Kong gets a knockdown and the humans are like, <laughs> looks like round two goes to King Kong, and then thirty <laughs> seconds later Godzilla gets up and literally kills King Kong. <laughs> Like that doesn't count. I'm sorry. You know what? Chris? If you like King Kong, you got blown the fuck out in Godzilla versus Kong. Just, you might have got the moral victory. It's just set up for the sequel. What's the saying about the harder they fall? What's the first part of that? The the, the, bigger, the bigger they, they come, are. the harder they yeah. fall. That's right. right. Okay. Godzilla's gonna get fucking wrecked in Godzilla versus Kong too. Just wait. Anyway, we should probably talk about other things. Anybody have anything else for this week? I watched a horror movie this week. Hell yeah. Yeah, I watched The Hole in the Ground. Oh. It's one of those publicly funded Irish horror movies we love so much. Mm. Every country of the European Union came together to make this movie. It's like the credit was like (laughs) a Belgian-Finnish-Irish production or something. It's a story of a woman uh, and her son who are in a house trying to start over. The house is in the woods, and there's a big-ass sinkhole in the woods. And uh, soon after they move in, the woman starts to suspect that her little boy is not her little boy anymore. And it's a it's a pretty familiar concept. I read some negative reviews of this movie, and I can't argue with any of them. But I will say, this movie scared me on several occasions. Ooh. I got goosebumps. It put a chill down my spine, and it did it with no jump scares at all. So for that reason alone, I have to say, check it out. Oh, I'm finally going to watch it. It's been on my list for ages, and I've never heard a more just resounding view it for that one. Curious. Color me curious. My horror experience, I guess, of the past week, and it's not even quite horror, but it's uh, it's impossible for me not to bring it up here. I finally watched Promising Young Woman, which I've been wanting to see for mm. a while now. And like I said, not necessarily horror, but definitely plays with the tropes of the rape revenge genre for sure. Um, and certainly uh, traffics in extremely horrifying situations. I loved it. It was disturbing. It was extremely effective, extremely well acted. Um, and as I said, plays with some of those tropes in really interesting ways and occasionally ways that really thrilled me. As I said, a very disturbing movie, but also certain moments where it just sort of homages classic exploitation cinema in a really knowing and smart way that actually kind of made me just go at one point, actually, the, the title card of the movie, I just went, Yes! Because um, it was just very, very well staged, very well played. Does it end with like a freeze frame and a zoom in? <laughs> I, oh my God, I will not say anything about the ending because holy <laughs> fucking shit. Um, God damn, it has an ending. That should be on the poster. Holy fucking shit. God damn, it has an ending. <laughs> Patrick Dunn. That's my, that's my review. Yeah. But I, I guess I can, I guess I can go far enough into the spoiler room to say, no, it does not end with that in particular. But yeah, yeah, that's that's. I've been super curious about that for quite a while, and I think I might watch it tonight. Oh yeah, I'll report back. Oh man, yeah, I can't wait to discuss it with you guys. Uh, so I saw a couple of things. I watched this obscure documentary called Demon Lover Diary that's available on YouTube. It's like a cinema verite documentary about the 
production of a low-budget drive-in horror movie in the late 70s, a lot of it takes place in Ann Arbor <laughs> in various oh, really? parts of Michigan. Ted Nugent makes an appearance at one point, and you know that's unsettling. And it's I think it's 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 because it's cinema verite fly on the wall, it's like this this guy's girlfriend is filming and narrating everything. And you don't get title cards, it's very messy, you don't you kinda of takes a while to figure out who everybody in the production of this film is. And it is a fucking train wreck. Um, early on in the movie, you find out that one of the producers of this low-budget movie actually severed one of his fingers to collect $8,000 in insurance money to help finance the film. And that's probably one of the least disturbing things in this documentary. Like, for real? Is this true, or is this is this kayfabe? No, this is absolutely true. He 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 wow. severed his finger. He the, you find out because he he complains about it during a dispute at one point. Like I fucking cut my finger off for eight thousand dollars for you fuckers. <laughs> and that is a pretty good flex if you're going to direct a movie <laughs> and you have difficult actors. <laughs> You have to stand in the rain for two hours and you're throwing a tantrum? Look at this. And I throw up nine fingers. <laughs> it is a a fascinating display of ineptitude that turns into complete wanton depravity by the end um, and w- winds up being pretty profoundly disturbing. Uh, so that was great. Recommend it. It's free on YouTube. Like I said, the quality's terrible, but... It's never going to get any kind of proper release. And then the same night I watched Shirley, the Elizabeth Moss, Shirley Jackson movie that came out in 2020. And I don't think it's an entirely successful film. I didn't know a lot going in except quite a bit about Shirley Jackson being a fan of hers. And it Who's is Shirley Jackson? Shirley Jackson, author of The Lottery, Haunting of Hill House. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Interesting movie. I don't have a lot to say about it because it's actually a much more complicated movie than I realized watching it. It's based on a work of fiction about Shirley Jackson, and the movie kind of takes it to a slightly uh, more fictionalized level. Like, Elizabeth Moss isn't playing Shirley Jackson. She's playing a slightly caricaturized version of her. But um, it's very witchy. She announces her, Shirley announces herself as a witch early on in the movie. It's very dreamlike, very sensual. And, you know, it's an Elizabeth Moss movie. She's unhinged throughout the entire thing. Her drinking gets worse. Her relationships with people around her get worse. And it's uh, utterly compelling viewing, even though I wasn't quite sure what to make of it all by the end. It's just a crime that she's not getting any sort of Oscar nominations for The Invisible Man. I have to agree with you there. I didn't look at the the nominations, so I don't know if you're joking or not, but I really thought she would have got one for it. No, yeah, especially because, like, four movies came out. You'd think they would have made room for her, but... A lot of movies came out last year, though. You just had to actually be looking at your streaming services for them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, there there were a lot of them that came out on streaming services, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I should watch that," and I never did. I, Godzilla vs Kong came out, and I was like, "I'm watching that within 48 hours." Weirdly, <laughs> yes. All right. Well, speaking of movies that are available on streaming, let's talk about the Vatican tape. Let's talk about a movie that's not available on exactly. streaming. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So this is another one of these funny cases. This has happened a few times recently, where <laughs> since. The Wheel of Death picked this movie for us to review on the podcast. It's actually been removed from Netflix, or by the time you hear this episode, it will be no longer on Netflix. So if you really have that 
burning desire to see this movie after our discussion today you're gonna have to pay for it yourself or you know go find it on hulu or some bullshit because i'm sure the way these things hopscotch from service to service these days it's just going straight to some other service it's gonna be on hbo max yeah there you go Zack snyder's the vatican takes (laughs) (laughs) well and you know this is interesting i i don't know Uh, are either of you familiar with neville dean and taylor no uh, I am now. I wasn't before. Yeah, so this movie is directed by Mark Neveldeen of Neveldeen and Taylor, who directed, um, among other things, Crank High Voltage, which is a blast. Like, if you haven't seen Crank High Voltage, see that shit. It's one of the best crazy-ass action movies released to theaters in the past 15 years. They also did the two Ghost Rider movies on the original Crank, which, you know, lesser entries in their filmography jonah hex and jonah hex oh my god and, that and was my terrible. memory i never saw jonah hex my memory of jonah hex is the last throws of blockbuster video i oh. went in to pick the corpse of the blu-ray shelf and they had literally 300 fucking copies of jonah hex florida ceiling yep. that they were trying to sell for like four bucks a piece oh my god that tracks <laughs> and i bet they sold like two of them Oh, yeah. I don't know. There's a landfill somewhere in Michigan that just has geologists are going to excavate it someday, and there's just going to be a layer four feet tall of crushed Jonah Hex DVDs. And like 10 feet below that is the the E.T. NES game. The E.T. Atari. <laughs> oh, Atari, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw that in theaters. I'm slightly embarrassed to say. Um, but yeah, anyways. As you should be. Crank high voltage. The absolute pinnacle of their career by a long shot go check that shit out Um, but yeah i was very surprised at the end of this movie to go oh neville dean did this i don't know i still have like a weird association with quality for him because of crank high voltage which is not like i don't know i'm at this point i've definitely built it up too much but it's (laughs) it's a fun crazy imaginative movie Uh, but yeah the 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 movie is the Vatican tapes. I, I do feel a little bit bad because I know that some of our listeners like to actually watch along and they'll, you know, when we drop an episode, they'll watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, not going to happen this time, uh, but you can, you know, listen to the review and decide if it's a movie you want to watch, I suppose. Well, to be fair, we did announce it two weeks ago, so you've had some time. You've had some time. That's true. You um, were supposed to prep for this assignment. <laughs> And and frankly, you know, this is an exorcism movie. If you if you couldn't tell from the name of the movie, <laughs> right. um, surprisingly, it's not a found footage movie. That was a pleasant surprise, but there are shades of found footage in this. It's like a sequel to a found footage movie, and they oh, didn't yeah. want to commit to found footage, but they wanted to kind of throw back to found footage. There are definitely scenes, sequences in this movie that uh, you could set to the yakety sex music from Scary Movie Five. There's a scene, I mean, no spoilers, but there's a scene at the end where I was like, wait, why are we viewing this through the lens of a CCTV camera? It didn't make any... Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. And the, the elevator? They do do some weird choices. They yeah. do some weird choices. It seems like they were very much on the fence about what kind of form they wanted to have with this thing. Since this is a religiously themed movie, I have a confession to make up front. This is one of those movies where... I watched it twice. I watched it the first time. I was distracted as fuck. And, I mean, it was part my fault. It was part the movie's fault. Uh, And I went back and watched it today. So, 
I both feel somehow more educated on this movie than I should be. And also just like, I don't know, the second time around, it still did not grip me to a degree where I feel like I know as much about it as I should. It's just, I don't know. It's just there. It's a movie that's just there. Uh, it is one of those movies where screw, I've like... Screw it. Are we going down to the spoiler room? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. It is, it, it, as I texted you earlier, Patrick, like it's all, it's pretty much always the movie, but like it is a movie where I read the Wikipedia summary and was like, wait, what? Like I watched it pretty attentively and there were still a couple of details where I'm like, are they just making this shit up? Oh. They're trying to... There, there are wild details in this movie for sure. We will get to them. Yes, we will. I don't know. Right, I'm, but, I'm sorry. We, we should probably get to the main event. Chris has a summary on the tip of his tongue right now. I got a summary on the like tip of my Eucharist. tongue, but it's, it's 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 very simple. It's an exorcism movie. Uh, we have a young girl. She's mid twenties. Her name is, which I guess is young for me now. Twenty twenty five. <laughs> it's her twenty fifth birthday. Um, and her name is Angela or Angela, if you prefer. <laughs> and uh, yes. she's uh, she basically becomes possessed by a demon by, and... by a haunted birthday cake. Uh, how the devil chooses her we don't really know but but basically they use her and she is basically supported by her like sensitive artsy boyfriend and her father played by duray scott who is uh, duray is that how you say that i thought it was right yeah, there's a, it's not there's a wait, it's yeah. not Doug Gray, I'm pretty sure. Doug Gray is the movie you should watch with Liam Neeson tonight. <laughs> wait, who is this guy? I didn't recognize him. He's the man who would have been Wolverine. This is the motherfucker who I forget why, but turned down the role of Wolverine and then, you know, who knows what would have happened to his career. This is the guy who plays like the bad guy in every terrible movie you've seen that loosely involves espionage, such as Mission Impossible 2, Hitman the movie, and um, what's the other? Taken 3. He was in Taken 3. Uh, well, at least he wasn't in X Men Origins Wolverine. He dodged a bullet there. <laughs> True. So, so he plays Angela's kind of a stern uh, Irish Catholic. It's established uh, mm-hmm. uh, military father. He's active military, and uh, you know, so he and the boyfriend kind of are, are. But he's really got. He doesn't like the boyfriend that for for no apparent motivation other than that the boyfriend's there. So he, you know, there's there's drama between them in the early stages of the movie, and then that's basically it. Angela gets possessed. She's in a hospital for a section of the movie and everyone's like what's wrong with angela how do we fix her and the priest the the resident priest at this hospital it's a catholic hospital named father lozano played by michael pena who you might know you might know him as nick memphis and shooter my favorite movie (laughs) um he's there to help and to try to you know connect Angela with some real badasses at the Vatican who saw the devil when they were three and know how to fix her. Excellent summary. It's so interesting to hear these things through different people's perspective. You know, to you, Doug Ray Scott is the guy from Mission Impossible and Hitman. To me, he's the guy who would have been Wolverine. To me, Michael Pena is like a versatile character actor who's been a lot of, who's been in a lot of movies. To you, he's the guy from Shooter. He, yeah, he's, oh, he's the sh- guy from Shooter forever for me. Shooter looms large in Chris's mind. <laughs> oh, my God. We can't, my favorite we can't overstate that. Yeah, we can't. Someday I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to get a microphone. I'm going to talk an hour by myself about Shooter. I'm going to post it to our feed. You guys aren't going to have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> you could just, well, right. you just go live. 
on i mean like it's it's been demonstrated the fans will show up the fans will show up to hear you monologue about yeah you don't need us there yeah but it is do gray scott apparently i thought it was do 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 ray yeah you left the g out the first time that was that was the part i thought the g was silent okay yeah oh well so it's do gray do gray do gray do gray all right so let's let's unpack this summary because there's a lot of weird shit <laughs> in between the lines of what Chris just said. First of all, I, does anybody remember the opening text crawl? Because I love it when a movie has one of those, oh, and I yeah. usually write it down, but I didn't take notes. Oh yeah, it's like every every year the Vatican receives fifteen thousand two hundred and seventy three uh, cases of demonic activity, and they put it on seventeen thousand two hundred ninety two million tapes. You know, it's basically just setting up that the Vatican creates tapes of demonic activity or maintains a collection of tapes. This is this is what I this is one of the first things that I loved about this movie. <laughs> Don't tip your hand too much. The way that this movie is framed with this like weird framing device of these two like bald, extremely dour <laughs> priests in the Vatican, like looking at footage on a on a MacBook. Oh, they're like um, aliens on the mothership studying human, like ordinary humans on Earth. It's so ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I don't know who plays the the white priest, but the black one is. And this is a name. Talk about Dure. I I don't will know how to pronounce it, his but name. he's awesome. Oh, he's the guy from Blood Diamond. Yeah, and Guardians of the Galaxy and Amistad and all kinds of shit. He's great. How the fuck did some of these people wind up in this movie? I have to know. All right. I looked it up. It's Jaiman Hunsu, which sounds even cooler than I thought it was going to sound. Anyways, love that actor and Mm -hmm. always love seeing him in anything. Oh, yeah. I remember him from Blood Diamond where he kept saying, this is Africa. Um, But now he's at the Vatican. And one of my favorite things about this is like one of the first things you see in this movie, one of the first images you see is St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican. And there's a title card that says St. Peter's Basilica, Vatican City. And it's like, all right, do we need the title card when you're showing us one of the most famous landmarks on the planet? You know what? I would not have recognized it. Now, look, yeah, I understand you might not recognize it. There are going to be people who don't know what that is, but you're watching a movie called The Vatican Tapes. Right, right. I thought that was absurd, too, Chris. Sure. So I, I was, and and not only that, but then at the end of the movie, they show you the same shot, and they say Vatican City, as if you forgot uh, in the last oh, that's, hour. That's true, because I, I just <laughs> finished the ending right before we started recording. Oh you God. know what? Blame Jason Bourne. Like you know, th- I I feel like this is just one of the more odious like film tropes of our time. Is you have to have like an, an ominous title card telling you the location of every goddamn place you go. I, I like. I feel like the classic James Bond movies didn't do that at all. Like he globe trotted all over the goddamn place, and there was never a title card to tell you where he was. Never. You never saw the little like typewriter actually typing out the name. Like, <laughs> yeah. Instead, you just have like Felix Leiter show up and be like, "Mr. Bond, welcome to Vatican City." <laughs> yes, that's great. Do that. I don't know. And it's, it's always funny because it seems like you see it more often when it shows you like the most iconic skyline in the world. <laughs> it's like New London. York City. <laughs> <laughs> New York City. <laughs> 
but I like I like the little framing device. You know, it's just like, oh, what's going on here? You have these two like very humorless people who are like, well, some some really serious shits going down with this woman and you know they're just watching video clips yeah it's like some serious shit's going down Uh, come on back to my uh cardinal editing bay because this guy's got like he's got the two monitors he's got like the keyboard what do you call that chris where you've got all the controls for editing like on your keyboard that's just uh he's got he's got one of those keyboards that's a normal keyboard but it has the multicolored uh overlay yeah yeah like film the movie editing commands on it and they just go there and he's like all right jamie pull that shit up (laughs) what if that was literally the editing bay for this movie (laughs) it probably was located in saint peter's basilica i mean they clearly didn't actually shoot inside of oh word (laughs) (laughs) maybe they did i don't know i don't even know if they shot outside of it i had i had a thought like watching this movie because we see that that uh, establishing shot twice. I was like, are, can you even shoot there? Like, what kind of permission do you need to get to shoot an exorcism movie <laughs> there? Um, it's probably easier than you think, would be my guess. Okay. Um, I would think you could at least do an exterior shot of it, but I feel like they did not fly there to get an exterior shot of St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, hell no. Nah, nah. Oh, no, you, you just buy that shit online. But yeah, so so this woman is is you know being interviewed and she's like, "Hey, send me home. I don't want to be at the hospital." And you know, they're fascinated by this freeze frame where you see like a little CGI <laughs> devil face kind yeah. of kind of glitching out of her yeah. at one moment in the conversation. They're all like, "See this? This is this is pretty serious." <laughs> then we go back in time like 2 weeks and we meet Angela and on her birthday, isn't it 2 months? Uh, I think it's three months. It's a it's, it's a while. It's, a while. it's quite a while. a while. She's been possessed for quite a while this woman. You know, and this is another one of these, you know, non-sequential storytelling things. I feel like, again, and it just burns me. I feel like every movie for the past 30 years has had to do this, has felt compelled to do this. Like, what momentum does it give the plot for us to see the two priests in the editing bay first looking at this video of the woman with, like, the CG devil coming out of her for two seconds? I understand in movies where something really shocking happens at the beginning, you know, like a car crash or something, and then we flash back to see how mm-hmm. it happened. But it's like, eh, this, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It just, it, it felt unnecessary. It does kind of take the air out of it immediately, and it doesn't allow for any, like, you know, okay, well, she's going to be possessed, Mm-hmm. Um, it's just well, a matter of how it happens. You buy a ticket for $8, $9, $10 to see the Vatican tapes. I want to see the fucking Vatican within the first 10 minutes of this movie. You can't <laughs> you can't hold off on the Vatican tape shit. Well, and, and, and that's a fault of the, the studio and I think the marketing campaign, because I can't imagine this script hitting someone's desk with the working title, The Vatican Tapes, because the Vatican really, and tapes even, have so little to do with this movie. <laughs> I think, I mean, we'll we'll get into it in the spoiler room, but I think this all has to do with a setup for a franchise. Oh, boy. Maybe. And there's been uh, some talk about it. There's been some talk oh, about it online, so we'll get into okay. it. Okay. Yeah. What, right. what a thing yeah, to contemplate. I don't know. That's interesting, <laughs> because I, I think when you're talking about these, like, kind of mass market theatrical movies, we're kind of out of the era of the... Ex- well, even The Exorcist opens with some spooky shit. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that, but like, I don't think you could just have, you know, scene one, you meet Angela, everything's normal. Like, how long are people, how long can you hold our attention? Because she doesn't really get possessed bizarrely for for quite some time. I mean, you could write more interesting characters. (laughs) Or, or like show me Jaman Huntsu and 
I, I just I just learned how to pronounce that, and I'm already mispronouncing it. Um, and Cardinal Brun like doing something else cool and spooky. Like, don't show me this preview of a, of them watching a YouTube video that's gonna look shitty the second time I see it, and looks shitty yeah, the first you know, time I see it. Maybe maybe they could have been like you know working on another case, or they're watching yeah. some video of some freaky shit, and then they're like, it's not related to our story, and they're like. Oh yeah, put that one in the archive. That one. That's, or they get that's a some- phone call after like f- just like finishing an exorcism. They're like, "Oh, we need to go to the U.S. or something." Like, yeah, they, they get a phone call and it's like, "Guys, uh, Jay is dead." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I got something even better for you. Here's Patrick rewrites the movie. Uh, so we've got we've got the two priests doing some something cool. And then they get the video from the United States about this, uh, the, the main case in the movie, and they watch the video, but we don't see it. We just see them react to it. Maybe we hear the audio and we're like, oh, this is shocking. These two priests who just did this badass thing. Now we're going to go find out what actually happened. That's a more I like interesting that. It's, opening. It's, it's still not great. Like I still don't like framing this whole thing around these two priests, but as far as what we're given with, better movie. Oh, yeah. Movie. I mean, like working within the already lame framework of these priests who... I And I mean, they show up in the, what, the last half hour-ish of the movie, the last 20 yeah. minutes of the movie. I mean, they, they yeah. make occasional appearances to say like ominous things, but I don't know. It's it, This movie's whack, man. We're, and we're only talking about the first five minutes of it. This <laughs> first movie's five whack. minutes of the movie. It, it's kind of hard. Like I don't really know how to talk about this movie without doing plot synopsis. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. So anyway, fast forward to to a lot of shit happens in this movie, and and yet I, I was bored. I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> well, let's let's continue with the setup briefly, though. So it's 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 Angela's birthday. We meet her dad. We know her dad doesn't like her boyfriend. Doesn't like him seeing. Uh, doesn't like seeing him grab her ass in public, um, which in a very gratuitous shot. Look, look, look. Here, here's actually this was actually a pivotal moment for me in this movie. It happened five minutes in, and it kind of it made me laugh and it made me smile and it kind of kind of gave me a lens with which to view the rest of the movie in a way that really enhanced my enjoyment of the film. But we meet Angela and she's having a surprise birthday party and you know, her boyfriend helped put it together. And so they're like, Oh, surprise. And then, yeah, they like hug, they kiss. And he just like two hands, her ass Uh very firmly. And as we are seeing that on the screen, we hear a man do gray scott saying do you want some cake or like who wants cake <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> it's a very erotically charged moment on mel- right. multiple it's levels like, <laughs> i'm seeing i'm seeing hands on an ass and hearing a voice that says you want some cake <laughs> and then we come out and he's there with the knife from the cake holding it like michael myers yeah like he's gonna stab the boyfriend moving toward the boyfriend very slowly she grabs the knife she cuts her finger cutting her own birthday cake which rude that she had to do that i mean somebody should have really stepped in and she's got to go to the hospital turns out it's infected she cuts her finger at the same moment so and we don't see the cut she's cutting the cake and then we smash cut to a shot of a red balloon popping so you know maybe it had something to do with this whole situation <laughs> oh, Pennywise, and then, you rascal and then we cut back to her and she's got like prop blood running down her finger i i don't know it, it is very strange editing 
Oh, across the board in this movie, strange editing. Like, yeah. I've heard wonderful things about Crank 2 from people other than yourself, Patrick, and it sounds like like a like a kind of masterpiece of editing of yeah. action of keeping things very fast paced and easy to follow and this movie paced. was very confusing in multiple All right. places. Let, let me let me kind of put my cards on the table here. Let's dispel the notion that this movie doesn't know what it's doing. Oh I I think mm. it might know exactly what it's doing. Here's a movie. This is a this is ostensibly a horror movie that at no point makes any attempt to scare you. Am I wrong? You're wrong. It definitely You're tries wrong. to scare you so many times. There are plenty of jump scares in this movie. Jump scares? Yeah. Oh man. I don't I don't remember a single one. Especially during the 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 possession that we're all expecting. There's like at least five moments where like her fucking eyes turn weird and there's a loud bang or you know her back cracks in half and the chains break and the music you know swells and none of that i recognized as like even a scare that didn't work it seemed like here's someone showing me these things that are scary ideas but not they're not using any of the tools in the filmmaker's toolbox to scare you well then what are they doing (laughs) what about when they're on the bus back from the hospital and a bird suddenly crashes through the window of the bus and flies around the bus it's pretty ridiculous ridiculous. when i was watching this movie i was having a pretty good time and i thought this movie is probably trying to be serious and and failing but like if i made this movie it'd be the funniest fucking movie anyone had made it would be the same film but just knowing the intent if it were if it were a movie that clearly was intended to be tongue-in-cheek or like a spoof i think this movie would be hilarious even if you change nothing about it because there's a lot of funny shit here like just this like dour priest like showing up to do this job and like being like no no we're not gonna say mass for this eucharist oh and he's like just shoving crackers in her mouth she's spitting up eggs we got some spoilers in that but (laughs) nothing consequential well yeah you know what i mean i think you're right i think if it was made to be funny it would be hilarious but i don't think it was made to be funny i think it's played very straight and and it fails I, i agree I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, birds talking to people, making them kill them. The bird is hilarious. Anytime I see the bird, it's hilarious. Anyway, but then I saw, like, what else has this guy done? Yeah, like the Crank movies, like movies that are knowingly dumb, right? I haven't seen the Crank movies, but that's my understanding of them. The Crank movies, yes. Ghost, you know, actually, I haven't seen either Ghost Rider movie, so I don't really know what the vibe is there. But I but mean, the vibe of Ghost Rider, I think, is likely like knowingly dumb. He's made mostly silly movies, yeah. But I mean, this mostly silly. But you movies. can tell this isn't a but silly there's a movie. difference. There's a difference. Yes. You can tell. You know, I mean, I, I watch Crank and I'm like, okay, this is. I'm not supposed to take this seriously. This is supposed to be insane and stupid and funny. I think this is the work of a man who got hired to make a serious horror movie and he recognized how absurd it was and decided that I'm just going to play this straight and it's going to be hilarious. I could totally I could totally see that. I could totally accept that. And so that was kind of whether it's true or false, that's kind of the fiction I allowed myself to live in while I watched this movie and if you go into it with that expectation, this movie's hilarious. <laughs> Okay, so case in point for what you're saying, or at least a case in point in my mind, is the revelation that this all has happened, that Ange has been possessed because, and this is dramatically revealed, like, I want to say 
at least halfway through the movie. Yeah. It's fairly yeah. late almost that DeGray Scott reveals that Ange's mom was a sex worker. He immediately clarifies he did not pay for the sex that he had yeah. with this woman. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. It's also hilarious because it's like they ADR the line where he says she was a call girl. Like the the, the character yeah. of that line does not match the rest of the conversation. Oh, I didn't so notice it's that. like it's like they recorded it like to say like oh and I have a theory for this but I can't get into it without spoilers but I think they changed the line to call girl in post production oh. no matter fun. how it happened I laughed so hard when he referred to her as a call girl which is not a term that people generally have used for the past 20 to 30 years <laughs> especially to describe the mother of their child <laughs> yeah well it's not really his child right she was already wasn't she already pregnant before he met her and then he ended up like adopting her no it's definitely his kid it's his his she said that she was going to get an abortion he begged her not to and then he didn't hear from her and he thought that she had decided to abort because he went overseas to the military or whatever he was in japan i think they say or something yeah yeah and when he came back he found out that she was dead but the kid was alive I thought she went missing. Like, she's just, like, up and left or something. I don't know, but But whatever. I forget myself, actually. How do I forget this? Well, and this is one of those points, one of of those plot points that I completely missed the first time around because I was so checked out and so late in the movie. I'm like, what? The mom was a (laughs) sex worker? This is, like, a plot point? What the fuck is going on right now? And this was one of the main reasons that made me go, okay, I need to go back and rewatch this. Well, yeah, I texted you, but as I was watching it, like, telling you that I was screaming during that scene, but I added the caveat, I would totally understand if you missed this, because it's played, like, so low-key that if you're already zoned out during this movie, you're going to miss it. But if you miss it, you're missing, like, one of the great monologues in film history, I think. Yeah. Well, and also, like, (laughs) I mean, it truly is. It does wind up being, in a really fucked-up way, pivotal to the plot. It does. Oh, my God. I want to tell you what I think what was going on or what I thought was going on in that scene, but I'll save it for the spoiler room. Oh, yeah. There's there's spoilers galore in this film. Maybe we should get to them. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to talk about this without continuing to get into the plot synopsis. And then, like, we're we're pretty close to the precipice of when, you know, the actual possession stuff that we're all expecting starts happening and things get truly bonkers. I mean, that's your movie. It's yeah. it's, it's a it's an exorcism movie. There's not a lot of surprises, um, at least not in the the first you know hour and ten minutes. Um, it's not. It's very workmanlike. There's not a lot of scares. There's some right. ostensibly scary ideas and images presented, but in a very dry way that seems like obligatory. Again, to me, it just seems like a, a, a guy who kind of is aware, a filmmaker who is aware of how dumb all of this is and is just gonna go through the motions and put it on the screen oh he seems Uh, very disinterested with the material um i I will say that i don't think there's anything else going on beyond that i think this guy was just like this script fucking sucks i got like i need a paycheck just gonna go through the motions and get her done we forgot to mention well i forgot to mention and this may actually be spoiler room territory but i'll brace myself big plot twist here black philip makes a cameo did y'all notice this 
Oh, there was a close-up of a goat's eye, yes, right? Yes, there's a close-up yeah. of specifically a black goat's eye at one point as some possession shit is happening to Angela. And I was like, it's my boy, Black Phillip. Miss, black I missed Phillip, that. Black Phillip. Is that how the song goes? It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's like, like I said, I mean, the, the, the revelation about the mom is well over halfway through. And there are some uh, sort of, I guess, shocking things that happen earlier than that. But, uh, you know, sure. Spoiler room, I guess. Yeah. There is some scary stuff. I mean, I... I, I there are, there I, are a couple of know. things I kind of want to mention, but I guess we could save them for the spoiler room because yeah. they have that visceral shock value to them. Maybe not as much of a visceral shock as DeGray Scott, like, uh, casually revealing this whole plot twist about the mom. Well, he was asked. To be fair, he was asked by Nick Memphis, who said, <laughs> Father Nick Memphis, who said, you know, hey, so... By uh, which you, you mean know, Michael Pena. Yeah, we, we've had your daughter for a couple months here. You haven't talked about her mother. Uh, you you want to talk to me? And, and, and so, I mean, obviously, you got a Catholic priest, and then you have this guy who's in the... They were both in the service, too. That was Michael Pena's backstory, as he was in the he was in the real shit. Oh, if Michael Pena is a in chaplain. a movie, he has... If he's not actively in the service, he has been in the service. <laughs> or he's going to be in the service. And, and Shooter, he's a, F, he's a green FBI agent, as green as you can be. And he gets drawn into the government conspiracy because oh, he runs into Mark on. Wahlberg by chance. That's so unbelievable. You don't get a name like Nick Memphis until you've already been in the service. <laughs> All right. Well, let's review the goddamn thing. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, you want to go first? Um, yeah, screw it. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Thank I, God. Thank God you gave it a screw it. I watched it once. Uh, obviously was very checked out. As I mentioned already, watched it a second time. And literally, like, as the movie was nearing its end, I said aloud, this movie's so fucking dumb. Um, and it is. It's dumb. I can't think of anything to recommend it other than if you're really desperate do what Chris said and go into it, just envisioning it as a director trying to like intentionally crash the plane and make a funny movie out of what's supposed to be a serious movie. Because especially when you examine this on like a thematic level, there's some very weird, I mean, it's kind of a religious movie that identifies with some um, kind of upsetting conservative ideology that I don't know. It bothered me. Didn't like it. Don't recommend it. Chris. Guys, I'm I'm feeling crazy about this one, but I'm going to give it a view. Oh, it. What? God's fucking sake. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. No one is wrong to hate this movie. Um, but for me, I first of all, I didn't get bored. I what? get bored in movies frequently. I never got bored either. I have to say the only reason I watched it in two sittings is because like I started it really fucking late and was like, I want to keep paying attention to this. There's something weird going on here. I didn't get bored. And the amount of like weird shit, crazy shit. I mean, we're talking, you know, we've got birds talking to people through a window. We've got like a whole ward of mental patients that like try to commit mass suicide. We've got like all this really silly stuff, especially when you get to the climactic exorcism scene, stuff that is so absurd shot in such a hilarious, like understated way. Again, I've said on this show multiple times, there's 
nothing funnier to me than ridiculous concepts being played with a straight face. And that's all this movie is. And I was able to appreciate on that level. I hope it was at least partially intended. It probably wasn't. But I don't know if I've seen a movie like this. And so it may be an ironic view it. But I I would say if watch the Vatican tapes, it's a it's a blast. I feel like a Joker victim right now because my face <laughs> has just been frozen in this like wide rictus of horror. Rictus of horror is exactly the way to describe it for the entirety of that review. I I assumed that you were going to go for a cue it. But a view it is just I, that might be the most shocking review you've given in the entirety in the entire 102 episodes of this podcast. I am flabbergasted. As I'm watching a movie, I'll say, you know, how am I how am I rating this movie right now? And for most of this movie, I was in cue it territory. I was like, I can totally understand an argument to never watch this movie i can also totally understand the argument to watch this movie and but by the end the the exorcism and the twist endings and everything like that it was so bananas i said this movie i, I felt like william friedkin this movie has enriched my life <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i am well, Chris, i am astonished i just looked it up i just looked it up the blu-ray does have an audio commentary with the director the cinematographer and the lead actress. I think you need to watch it. it. You need to watch it and report back to us and tell us what was really going on behind the scenes oh. here. I'm going to watch it and report back. I'm sure he's not on the commentary saying, yeah, this was shit, so we just took the piss out of it. No, but you'll probably gain some insight <laughs> if there really was a, a deeper layer to this uh, this little affair. Chris here. is going to be tweeting from our account, hashtagging the Vatican tapes for the next three years, hoping Mark Neveldine <laughs> replies to him. <laughs> I would love to talk to Mark Nevelin about. I this. would too. I, given his, I would love to. Given I would love to talk the, to Mark Nevelin in general. Like that's the thing. That's the smoking gun for me because I had all these thoughts watching the movie. I was like, "Am I supposed to take this seriously?" And then when I saw what else he'd done, I was like, "That makes so much sense. This guy knows what he's doing. He knows what's dumb. He knows what's silly." It just feels like a lower rent him. version of what he normally does, and also kind of a Trojan horse if. If there's any truth to your suspicions, Chris. Um, but I want to <laughs> review it so we can get to the spoiler room. Uh, screw it. I don't like possession movies. As a rule, I don't even like The Exorcist. Like, they've never grabbed me. This feels like it's... There's a little bit of the found footage business in it. There's a little bit of Dan Brown. And that's maybe the only thing that distinguishes it from any other possession movie I've ever seen. Um, but when I give a movie a screw it i like to as often as possible recommend something else that you should spend your time on like i said not really into possession narratives but i fucking love paul tremblay's novel head full of ghosts and it's a book that is simultaneously meta but also genuinely terrifying and kind of uh looks at the possession genre through various lenses found it totally captivating and refreshing so skip this movie check that book out can we probe about like why you don't like possession movies in general we've already talked about it like i i i just you know i grew i grew up catholic uh i mean that kind of started later in my life um i like started catechism like a year later than i was supposed to i was you know confirmed and, and baptized and all that shit and i just don't there's nothing scary to me about 
demons as Christians see them. Like, it just doesn't seem like a credible threat to me, even that I'm willing to buy in the context of a, a fantasy or a horror movie. It's mm. it's just never worked for me. I don't know if it's just that, like, the the films themselves don't, like, make that threat seem credible enough to me, but... I often just find it to be kind of tedious and boring and they're all the fucking same. Like every, except for this one, I will say it does throw a couple extra things uh, against the wall that we'll get into in the spoiler room, but generally it always just feels kind of rote by the numbers. And there's nothing interesting to me about seeing a woman usually tied up to a bed and, and screaming and puking all over herself. (laughs) It's not my bag. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Something else that I thought was charming about this movie, because we've watched exorcism movies from other religions and other cultures yeah. on this show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, Dabe, obviously. Um, yeah. And they kind of leave you scratching your head like, man, I just saw some weird stuff and I don't have the context for what this means in that religion or right, what the like, tropes of this particular religion's exorcism stories. So, and this movie, despite being, you know, familiar as, as anyone who lives in the United States is about Catholicism, uh, you know, by the time our, our heroine is like, spitting up multiple eggs Mm -hmm. i was like i don't know what is happening here and it kind of gave me that charm where even though it was a familiar you know catholic exorcism story i was seeing things that i just did not understand and seemed completely ludicrous i'm pretty sure the eggs are unique to this movie but i could be completely off base there they might be but like the beats of that scene are very familiar yeah the eggs are weird but like i've you know, you could you could mad lib this with any other exorcism movie and make it work, or just stuffing the Eucharist into her mouth like it's quarters in a slot machine. Like I did not see it that way, but I'd have to go back and <laughs> revisit, which I'm not going to do because this movie sucked. <laughs> All right, well, we got to head over to St. Peter's Spoiler Basilica in Vatican <laughs> City. But before we do, I will remind oh, you... Oh, we're going to the archives. We're going the to the archives. archives. But before we do, I will remind you, as always, to uh, head on over to Every Horror Movie on Netflix.com. We've got the merch shop there where you can buy T-shirts and other merchandise emblazoned with Every Horror Movie on Netflix art. We've got the list there where you can see every insane rating that Chris has ever given a movie on this show. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you to follow AmonCast, E-H-M-O-N cast, which stands for Every Horror Movie on Netflix cast on all your social media platforms. And I'm also going to encourage you to uh, like, subscribe, review to, follow, retweet the podcast, whatever you do with the podcast, on all your uh, podcast providers of choice because we like to get the feedback and it also helps people find the show. And we have a special deal right now just to observe, you know, this film and, and the concept of the Holy Trinity, which is very important. Um, you buy three shirts in our store and you will get three shirts delivered to your house. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly how the deal works. All right. Now that we've uh, clued you into that amazing deal, are you all ready to head over to the Spoiler Basilica? Yes. Yes, my son. Steven's not coming with us. I didn't hear anything from Steven. <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever to say, and I don't have it. So, yeah, I'm ready. All right. 
you know, drink some holy water and, and get all the good stuff in your system, and we'll see you over there. Amen. Welcome back, my children. Uh, Cardinal Patrick, Father Chris, Archbishop Stephen, back with you here in the Spoiler Basilica. Ready? Pope Jay could not be with oh, us today. God, I wish. Ready? And Father Father Mort's dead, as we've established many times, unfortunately. <laughs> R.I.P. We're ready. That might be disrespectful. Jay is Jay is Hindu. Yeah. Devout yeah. Hindu. So devout, he damned his entire life to living in a mirror so that his love could be oh, safe. what a man. Yeah. Anyways, we're here to spoil everything, because really, we didn't spoil much of anything in the original discussion for this movie, because we only talked about the first five minutes and then the revelation that the mom is a sex worker. But at least now we can tell you that the fact that the mom is a sex worker ends up being relevant, because it's the entire reason that Angela got possessed. Because it's a perversion of the virgin birth, and this is the reason that Satan picked her as the vessel to create the Antichrist. Well, I don't hold, know if that's on. all explicit. What? It's. I. I just want to. I want to break in quickly and say I don't think this movie uses the term sex worker. I think you're being very kind, Patrick. Um. Yeah, that's a little vague. Did, did her mom have OnlyFans, or, or what was going on? <laughs> what term? I mean, what term do you want to use? Call girl? <laughs> well, I kid, I kid. Let's get on the movie's level here. <laughs> Mistress. Yeah, she's a call girl. Well, I, I think when, when uh, DeGray Scott was going to talk about this in the scene, I think he probably said she was a prostitute, but they dubbed it, I think, because they wa- they didn't want to say the word prostitute because we might figure out the twist ending. So he said call girl so that later on one of the solemn priests can be like, oh, she is the Antichrist because this, this, this born to a prostitute blah, blah, blah. And I, I, do they, do really, they say prostitute? Really unfortunate. In the end, do they end up using that word? In the oh, end, okay. they do. Yeah. I don't feel like... How would that have given away the twist ending, though? I don't, I don't know. Think it um, I don't know enough about the Antichrist, to be honest. Well, I have to say, I, I hinted at this earlier, like, I was, like, rewriting the movie a little bit while I was going along, but also trying to figure out where the fuck they were going with that angle, and I was like whoa, was her mom, like, a reincarnation of Mary Magdalene or something? Like, that would be kind of cool. That's right? kind of how it hit me when I saw it, but that doesn't make sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, that's basically... That's the twist of this movie, is that this isn't just your run-of-the-mill demonic possession, but the Antichrist is in the house, and all the events in our hero's life have led to her basically being the perfect vessel for the antichrist um yeah and and then that gets into the very end of the movie which i don't think we have to talk about um immediately but that's kind of this that's kind of this movie's x factor it it just took one fateful birthday cake for it all to fall together (laughs) (laughs) well also ridiculous like there's some weird i don't know maybe i missed something but there's some weird significance given to the serum that they give her in the hospital when she goes in to get the mm-hmm. her her cut stitched up, but it also yeah. I think isn't significant because the the psychologist at the mental hospital sort of 
disproves that, debunks it later. I don't know. It might just be a, a franchise setup sort of thing, but like, yeah, it's it's sort of inferred that possibly or it's sort of um hinted at that possibly like this catholic hospital has doctors who are doing an experiment on her of some Uh, sort well i wish that had been more than a hint because that could have been kind of interesting that would have made it much more interesting yeah. if, if the Vatican is actually conspiring with Catholic hospitals around the world to bring about the Antichrist for their own purposes. That'd be great. I thought they. I thought it would be more like they're trying to preemptively identify the Antichrist. That would make a little bit oh, more sense. Maybe, maybe. Like, well, she's got this infection. We've already we already feel like there's something weird about her past. So if we give her the serum and she reacts badly to it, then like we need to send in the troops. But we don't know this for a long time. The most of the movie, oh, no. um, most of the movie, she, she's in the hospital and yeah. she's being evaluated. She's in a coma for for months. They they pull the plug. Uh, Michael Pena comes in and gives her her last rites, and then they turn off the machine and she comes back to life. Um, oh, and she tries to drown a baby at one point, which was actually kind of horrifying. She- yeah, there's all kinds of great she, hits. She causes got, you know, a police officer to kill himself by jamming light bulbs into his eyes. Like, whole light bulbs. Oh my god, I forgot about that! Which was kind of great, but I wish it had been sold more. The raven makes him do yes. that. She has a mad raven Satan. outside her window, rapping gently at her chamber <laughs> window. <laughs> yeah. um, and the raven talks to the detective and makes him lose his mind and do that and that's actually the scariest part of the movie to me like i've always had a thing and the the found footage movie the fourth kind which is actually fairly similar to this movie uh did the same thing with aliens where Mm. there was an owl outside your window before the aliens came and something to me about birds outside your window i don't like it and so that was scary to me something about like like a a mental illness where like animals talk to you is really unsettling to me um yeah i'm with you chris i I, I thought there was there was potential there i don't think it totally delivered on it but animals that are are messengers for some greater power Mm -hmm. that is interfacing with you yeah i don't i've got a movie about the antichrist for you then Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> God damn you for, <laughs> for beating me to the punch on that. I'll, I'll watch that after I, after I watch Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac Volume 2. Because I, I watched Volume 1 and I just never got around to watching Volume 2, if you can imagine that. Did you become a nymphomaniac and get distracted? <laughs> I just became... A, I, I learned more about the Pythagorean Theorem than I wanted to. <laughs> Wow! Um, oh man! But yeah, so it's like the, you know the greatest hit. She's in the hospital. She try, sneaks into the maternity ward and like almost drowns a baby. Um, she has some sort of psychic pull where she can whisper gibberish and get the whole floor to like riot and kill themselves. Okay, now that was um, a moment I laughed at when she's like standing. There's a wall between her and this kind of large common area where a bunch of patients are just like sort of peacefully sitting around muttering to themselves, whatever. And she starts like just mumbling Aramaic into the wall. And all of a sudden this one patient jumps up and fucking drop kicks another patient. That was was hilarious. That was, he turns into fucking that was a Neville Dean moment right there. (laughs) 
Yeah, he like he because it's like a it's like they hired this guy like who must have been like a karate master yeah. to play this mental yeah. patient because it's I don't know if it's a drop kick, but he like does like a flying. It's 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 like the major. Frankly, I don't know what a drop kick is, but in, in my mind, it's when you jump up, kick someone in the head, and they just fall over immediately. Oh, I think a drop kick is when you drop something and then you kick oh, it. Okay, yeah. So it's not that thing. Uh, but it's what a drop kick is in my head. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Yeah, it that was God some bless. shit. Um, so see, little, little things like that. I'm thinking evidence for my theory. Um, but yes, I mean she's in the hospital because she was she was inspired by satanic influence to crash a taxi that she was driving in. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, she she jerks the wheel yeah. or whatever. Those are the the greatest hits. I don't know what else happens, but basically the hospital's like all right oh she uh she's able to like psychically and talk to her therapist about how the therapist has been like you know a floozy or whatever oh yeah sorry we can't say floozy how, how the therapist if we can has say been sleeping girl, we around can say floozy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at long fucking last they finally actually call in cardinal brun and jaiman hunsu who we've been waiting for them to like these guys are so fucking actually cool. be part of the plot for so long they're cool aren't they they're a sweet duo sure. yeah i love them Fine. like i that's what i was saying with the, the franchise thing and calling this the vatican tapes i there's apparently there was talk of a vatican tapes too and i could see a franchise being centered around these two kind of secret vatican agents honestly who go around trying to detect the anti you know what i love that i love the idea of these two in like a buddy cop franchise because that's perfect and it makes you almost wish almost wish that this movie had gone with that instead of like them sort of showing up here and there throughout the movie and then being prominent characters for the last 20 minutes well, this movie does everything halfway, even down to the found footage aspect. I mean, we expected, I think all three of us expected this to be a found footage movie going in. There are found footage elements, but it just like doesn't know what to do with that and kind of hedges its bets. I'll be honest. And it does the same with those two characters. I was fine with that because I didn't want to see a found footage movie. This does not give me a found footage movie. <clears throat> there are a few tapes in it. There's a few, there's, there's some use of found footage in it and mostly <clears throat> it just, it, it gelled with the plot where I was like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> there, there are too few tapes in a movie called The Vatican Tapes. Actually, there are a lot of tapes at the end. I mean, it's like um, I said, it has very little to do with the Vatican, and it has very little to do with tapes. Yeah, it's, it's a total misnomer. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know why the title, The Vatican Tapes, is so funny to me, but it's been funny to me for years since I've seen this in the queue. Well, it gave me Dan Brown vibes, as I mentioned in my review. Like, I felt like this was going to be about some huge Catholic conspiracy or something, Um, which I guess, like, in some ways it kind of is. I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, you talk about conspiracy, so, I mean... We may as well get towards the end where we find out that, like, you know, Michael Pena is ushered into the Raiders of the Lost Ark-esque room that's just full of Vatican tapes. And yeah. <laughs> and Jaiman Hunsu is like, you know, oh, this is yours now. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love it. Um, 
I mean, Michael Pena, he's like, you know, he's the, he's the resident Catholic priest at this hospital, but like, this is way above his pay grade. Like, he's been a priest not that long. He's barely qualified to just yeah. give the last rites to you before you die, right? <laughs> and it's like, maybe even too young for that. Like, if I'm dying and you want to like give me my last rites, like, because just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> Go for it, but I want the oldest priest that is available. I don't want no 35-year-old Michael Pena. Oh, I want Michael Pena. I want to be, I want to be like, physically aroused while those rights are being delivered to me. Damn, I I need the oldest priest. But anyway, but this is way above his pay grade. So finally, he calls the the Vatican, you know, he goes up through the bureaucracy or whatever, and then these badasses get the call, especially this Cardinal Brune, who... (laughs) has so much gravitas i don't know what to do with it he and i'm looking at him he's his name is peter anderson the actor he's from sweden he is six foot two but he feels like he's six foot nine in this movie oh i feel like he's always shot slightly from below yeah and and he's like just a a thick man very serious very solemn and how do you spell thick in that that scenario there is that uh, just normal, normal thing? Wow. I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, it's nothing sexual about it. <laughs> and I thought Stephen was the thirstiest one on this podcast. <laughs> um, and he gets the call, and so he tells you know the other priest at the at the Vatican or the other cardinal at the Vatican. He's like, all right, I'm going, and and he's like, well, I want to come too. He's like, no, 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 because look, I'm probably going to die because this is that serious. So just you stay here and tend the archive, and I'm going to go. And then it's like you get a great little insert shot of like a plane touching down on a dark yeah. runway, like the badass is in the house, and. Yeah, so begin our exorcism sequence where the guy has all his cases and he's got cases and cases and he's like he opens one of them and he's got like you know his MacBook Pro like in the felt in this case he's got everything ready to go he sets up cameras because of course the Vatican's got to make tapes um, and then he and Nick Memphis just proceed to set the stage for this elaborate ritual and. It was all so good and delightful to me, wow. and I can't really put my finger on why, wow. but like, especially the scene where he's like, you know, he's going to give the beast communion, and Michael Pena is like, all right, and so he starts like saying the prayer to, you know, bless the Eucharist. I don't know the details on that, and he's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 don't do that this time, and he's like, We're, but you have, it's like priesthood 101, you say the mass before you do the Eucharist, and he's like... We're going to break a few rules tonight. Well, yeah, because Cardinal Brun <laughs> is like the unorthodox one. And he's like, you know, to, to defeat this devil, we have to get closer to the devil. And he was, isn't that his backstory? He was possessed yeah. when he was a child. Yeah, he saw the so devil he when he was five. he knows the devil. Yeah. Yeah, he saw the <laughs> devil when he was five. And... I mean, everything about this. I already talked about the Eucharist in the mouth. Uh, you know, I talked about the egg spinning up. There's just so much bizarre shit. At one point, like, you know, the priest just, like, wraps a chain around his hand like he's about to fight corn pop <laughs> and, like, walks into the room. <laughs> like, so much shit. Oh, my God. I just Patrick and I are peeking right now. <laughs> oh, my God, Chris. <laughs> Chris, uh, you should have directed this movie. I'm just going to be honest. Better film. <laughs> I would love to Same make an exorcism. Too, better you know film. I'll, I'll, I'll make an exorcism movie, and it'll be completely straight-faced, but I'll just see like how much weird and absurd shit I can push into the exorcism. I just want to know, if there are more than 
two people who just got that joke, I will be <laughs> delighted. Literally, anyone who's listening to this, if you got the joke Chris just made about the chain, let us know. <laughs> I want to hear about it because we need to be friends with you. But yeah, I don't know. I, and I forget the play-by-play. It all became a blur for me. Oh but, yeah, um, they chain her up, and uh, you know, and she breaks the chains, and her back splits in half, and then she jumps on the bed, and she jumps up into the rafters, <laughs> and, the, and oh, then she fucking blows the house out. Oh, okay, you just skipped an important step that I will say is one of the moments that was ridiculous and badass. She's up in the rafters, and the chains. She's broken the chains. The chains are dangling down. And Cardinal Bruin just grabs the chains and yanks and like <laughs> yanks her down from the rafters, breaking many rafters in the process and just yanks her down to the floor like he's Captain America yeah. or something. By her ankles. Yeah. yeah. Like, again, like superhuman stuff. It's hilarious. And then like, oh, this is after Cardinal Bruin, like it's not going very well. So like Cardinal Bruin like retreats back to his staging area with, with Michael Pena and he just like pulls out a big ass dagger and Michael Pena is like, what are you going to do with that dagger? Cardinal Bruin and Cardinal Bruin's like, we got to kill this woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Michael Pena's like, holy hell, I'm just the Catholic hospital priest. I don't know what to do oh, about this. At some point, Angela just goes full Jedi and just like disappears entirely from within her clothes. Oh, yeah, because Cardinal Bruin strangles her to death with a rosary. Oh, yeah, he and kills she, her. He strangles her. And then she's like her. sitting oh, there for a minute and then she disappears in like a little flash of light and her, her clothes kind of like deflate like when a Jedi dies, but then she comes back in a few minutes because she's the Antichrist. Well, that's how we realize she's the Antichrist because she dies and then she is resurrected. Yeah. Oh, she's got stigmata. That's right. And there's a moment, and I'm sure you guys thought it just as I did, that like, oh, maybe the twist of this movie is that she's actually the second coming of Christ. Yeah, sure. That would be interesting. But no, she's the Antichrist because reasons, and they say, well, this is she's obviously the Antichrist. Because call girl. <laughs> because, yeah, call because call girl. She blows out the She the kills house. everyone. Everybody Except dies. Except Michael Pena. Everybody dies. She's the, yeah, Michael Pena barely survives, and she's there. Nick Memphis, the sole survivor. Again, the sole survivor. As he should be. Yeah, so she survives, and she's like, oh, I miraculously survived this thing. And so then we see, like, hilarious sequence she's performing miracles left and right yeah but but again the framing for this is it's like it just like cuts to like six months well, later yeah. and it cuts then... to jaiman hunsu and michael pena again watching youtube videos in the editing bay but it's hilarious because michael pena apparently like just came out of his own coma after being blown up or whatever and so he's finally made it to the vatican to like debrief and they're like a lot has happened over the last six months. And he plays videos of like what we just saw in the last scene. Like, yeah. <laughs> like new, like news reports that almost look like they're live of this event that we know happened six months ago that we already saw. Um, like Michael Pena did not miss that part. So, but they're, but they're showing it to him again. And then they show the subsequent, yeah, she goes on a publicity tour. She's on Oprah. She does all the shit. And <laughs> she's um, not on Oprah. And this is what's interesting to me because she's doing good stuff. She is healing the sick. She is, she is making people rich. She is doing everything that Jesus would do if he were back on earth. But the Vatican decides, well, she's the antichrist. So she has yes. to die. Yes. <laughs> because Satan is dope and the Catholic church is not like, 
End of story. I didn't know how to read this because I'm like, are we setting this up for a sequel where it's like she's trying to like build all this goodwill with humanity to eventually like bring about the end of the end of humanity? And like there's a like that happens in the sequel, or like yeah. is it just that like Satan is awesome and the Catholic Church sucks and they need to leave her alone? Okay, I mean, yes, good question. I mean, I was memeing. I, I actually wasn't memeing. I mean, I, I'm a fan of the Satanic I mean, Church. Satan does rock. Satan rocks, absolutely. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The Catholic Church does not. Um, but, I mean, in the text of the movie, I mean, I think it's definitely clear that she is doing this stuff to deceive people and to build a following and I yeah. don't think that the Antichrist is supposed to be cool in the context of the movie. This movie is, to a weird degree, aligned with sort of traditional Catholic, like I said before, rather conservative values that raised my right. hackles a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, and you don't know, like, yeah, the the mother being a prostitute's part of it, but like, you also don't know, like, maybe she was picked because she was living in sin with her boyfriend. You but know, that's not in the text quote, of the unquote, movie. What sin. is explicitly in the text of the movie is that she was picked because of her mother. Right, but I mean, that does come up where, you know, the father is opposed to their arrangement because he's a Catholic and they're living together out of wedlock and stuff. So it's like there's there's and also like you see her like on a blog like writing about the Antichrist in the beginning of the oh, movie. Oh, that was hilarious. I actually ran that back weird. to read exactly what she was writing and it was extremely I don't remember stupid. that at all. Yeah, she's on a, she's on a, her blog and she's like so, a lot of people wonder, what is the Antichrist? Well, Think of it this way. If Satan is you two, uh, the Antichrist is Kings of Leon opening no, for the no, band. No, 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 no. no, but I mean, close to that. She does yeah. say that the Antichrist is the warm-up act for Satan. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sure. You two, Kings of Leon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. They're, they're, uh, I don't know what we're supposed to take away Kings from it. It's not Leon. clear. Well, Kings of Leon opened for U2 in 2004. Oh, that's so fitting. That's so fitting. Just the peak of their career. So I don't know. But yeah, she's the Antichrist. And it is explicit, whether through text on the screen or voiceover or something, that like, yeah, she's amassing a huge following, acting like Christ, so that at some point, not in this movie, she can pivot and destroy the world. Right. Or at least is that what is that what the Antichrist does, or is it just part of the whole like Armageddon? I mean, he's the harbinger of Armageddon, and I was doing a little research before, uh, at least from what I can tell in a quick. She's the silver. From surfer. what I can tell in a quick scan of Wikipedia, <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with being born of a call girl, sex worker, or prostitute. So, Did, was that a fitting? Marvel yes, reference, Patrick. It was so Thank it was you. so good that I didn't even feel the need to congratulate it. Thank you. It was so good that I chuckled and didn't even know what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you sold it very but, convincingly. I mean, that, but, but that's like Armageddon's not necessarily bad either, right? In the Catholic belief system, like because it's like yeah, it's inevitable that Satan and and God are going to have a war. Oh, yeah. Christ, Antichrist, and you know God's gonna win. Or, and if you and if you're saved, like you don't have to worry about it. So yeah, it's, so it's, that's it's, gonna happen. Just get saved as soon as possible. That's what I'm doing right before I buy the Blu-ray of this movie. <laughs> well, that's your movie, The Vatican Tapes. I mean, yeah, and and ob- the 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 archive scene, like you said, Raised of the Lost Ark. It's like that's really where you feel like, oh, they're building a universe. Oh yeah. Here. <laughs> so you know, I, I actually didn't get that feeling. I now that y'all have mentioned it, I could see it, but that 
was not the vibe I got. Actually, I didn't get big sequel setup vibes from this, and thank God. No pun intended. I would watch Vatican Tapes 2 in a heartbeat if it came out, but it would probably, I mean, it's probably one of those things like Mean Girls. Like, you know, there's a Mean Girls 2. I've heard about that, yeah. Yeah, no. it's like probably it's there's probably gonna be a Vatican tapes too, but it's gonna be like totally different production. That's it's gonna be like co opted by Kirk Cameron yeah. or something, and just become another one of those <laughs> movies. It's gonna be on. It's gonna be every horror movie on Pure Flix. All right. Well, quick final. I feel like we're we're running out of gas on this one, but quick final note on Mark Neville Dean is that. In 2016, I was looking at his filmography just to like figure out what the dude has been up to lately. In 2016, he produced a movie called Officer Down, but it's D-O-W-N-E. Down is the I've guy's last name. And it's directed by Sean Crayon, percussionist slash background vocalist of Slipknot. And it's written by Joe Casey, who is a comics writer. I remember this coming out. Box office eight hundred and fifty dollars USD. What? Yeah, eight hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. <laughs> yep. Wow, you are right. That's wild. No, no million on that. Nope. <laughs> Mark Neville Dean is in it. <laughs> what? He stars in it. I want to. I want to talk to Mark Neville Dean. I do too. I, I feel like he and I are kindred spirits, but I feel like maybe if I came to him and said that, he'd just be offended. Oh, I I would love to talk to him as well. I, I want to watch the rest of his filmography first. I've long wanted to watch those Ghost Rider movies because I know they're not supposed to be good, but between like Neville Dean and Taylor and Nick Cage, I feel like I I would at least have to have fun with them. Oh, that sounds like a very magical blend. I'm in. Ghost Rider has been on Netflix mm, for a while, and I, I wanted to pick it, but I never have. So anyways, <laughs> what are we watching next episode, Christopher? Oh, well, it's my turn to pick, isn't it? it? Is. You are all at my mercy. I feel like Cardinal Brown. I heard Brown. that you were like in intense deliberations. It was kind of like when they're picking the Pope, actually. And and you just yeah. sent that. What do they do? They send like a, a piece of yeah, paper white up smoke. a chimney. At, at, uh, at like at about 3.50, this afternoon, white smoke was seen coming from my apartment. And it meant that I made a selection. I won't bore you with all the things I almost picked, but we are going to watch The Blair Witch Project. Oh, yay. Right? Which I have never seen. I've never seen The Blair Witch Project. I what? hate to admit it. I am a fake oh, horror wow. fan. I never saw the Blair Witch Project came out before my time. I mean, I was not like uh, elementary school. Other kids were talking about it. Uh, I never saw it. I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with it. I know the tropes. I know the aesthetic. I know the influence. Uh, but, you know, we didn't really get our quotient of found footage in the Vatican tape. So we're sure as hell going to get it in the Blair Witch Project. I'm very curious to see... Uh, what it's like and if it holds up i'm I'm very excited for this i've seen it me too i've seen it twice i saw it once on vhs back in the day i did not see it in the theater because you know bubble boy and then i saw it on i don't know dvd streaming a couple years ago and i am so curious to hear from someone else who is seeing it for the first time like way after most of the world did i saw it at a drive-in when it came out on a blanket outside the car on gravel, which is very uncomfortable. Was it outside the car or outside the car? Not the car. Okay, good. Um, but it was on a... Do- <laughs> I 
just remembered this. It was on a double bill with Bowfinger because they used to do this alphabetically <laughs> at this drive-in I went to. So that's horrible. Imagine watching Bowfinger, and and I think that was the first feature, and then the Blair Witch Project. That's awful. Imagine <laughs> choosing what movies to watch in alphabetical order. Yeah, right. All right. Well, we should uh, probably end the episode. I think. Yeah, I think that's all we're we done talking say. about horror. Oh, have, we, have, we been, have we been doing an episode this whole time? Turns out, <laughs> I, I'm I'm was just now getting ready to talk about the Vatican takes for the show. <laughs> all right, well, we will see you all in two weeks for uh, rousing, rip roaring discussion of the Blair Witch Project. Project? What's it called? Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project, my yes. God, my brain is gone. I feel like I just had a stroke watching. I, yeah, the the COVID <laughs> brain fog is real, man. It is real, yes. Anyway, until then, uh, again, what are our titles? I'm Cardinal Patrick. I'm Father Chris. I'm not pulling rank on anybody. I'm like <laughs> Michael Pena. I am Archbishop Stephen. Honestly shocking that none of us have like promoted ourselves to Pope over the course of this episode. And we will see you next time on Every Horror Movie on Netflix. Bye. Bye. Bye.